All right, here we are on Memorial Day Monday. Not just Man Up Monday, but it is Memorial Day Monday, and we thank you guys for joining us. My name is Jody Burkeen. I am your host and the founder of Man Up God's Way. Uh, again, we just want to thank you for uh, taking your time tonight. Hopefully you're fat and sassy. Uh, you've had your barbecue. You're sitting down on the couch right now, getting ready to go to bed, getting ready to start thinking about Tuesday work. And, uh, you're going to take some time to listen to us. If you don't take, if you don't mind, uh, while you're there, share this podcast with all your friends on your social media. Uh, we are on our Facebook page, which has 877,000 followers. We're on our private group, men. If you need a private group to go to man up God's way community, there are 42,000 men there. Uh, we also have our app. It's the man up God's way app. You can get that on iTunes and Google. Uh, and the podcast will be on there as well. And YouTube as, as well, man up God's way, YouTube. And, uh, as usual, we have our merch, we've got coffee books, um, mugs, some of my favorite mugs, man, I've been using this one right here quite a bit. It's a good water mug. Uh, I started drinking a ton of water this week and I hate it with a passion. Uh, usually my water has uh, coffee in it with a couple of Splenda. I got my coffee mug there. And if you get an opportunity to go to manupgodswaymerch.com and you'll be able to pick up our merch. Not only does it help our podcast and our ministry, but you look cool wearing it as well. And so let me introduce the guys that I got here tonight. Uh, ben, how you doing, brother? What's up? Good what have you be, been up to this week? Yeah, I was um, glad, glad to have you. Yeah, I was telling everybody that you had to take Midol last that's week. That's right, I yeah. did. Okay. Yeah, I took two Midol and went to bed. So I was I was a little under the weather last week. I was that's supposed good. to be traveling this week, so uh, and that that got canceled. So right. I'm back. I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad you're here. So you I'm do? a little I'm a little roasted. I was from being say, out by the pool for two days. You're crispy, right? Yeah, at the yeah, moment. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got a little little too much sun. Yeah, it's pretty tough life, huh? Out yeah, by the pool, a couple yeah. days. The Lord has blessed me. Awesome. Did you eat a lot? No, you didn't eat much. I did eat a couple of hot dogs, but no buns. I did no. I lied. I did eat. Uh, I did eat a hot dog tonight with a bun. So I started that hard 75, 75 hard. Which one yeah, is yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. 75 hard. Yes, sir. Okay. I started that last week. I did great on all of my exercise. I did really, really good on my eating. I stunk at my water intake. I hate water. Like I don't, I'm, I'm sitting here trying to drink this now as it is. I'm choking it down. Uh, I did my reading. I did really good. And then Sunday after church, we had 10 baptisms uh, at church and got all excited and, you know, had a great day. And somebody invited me to our new sushi place in town. Oh, I lost it. Chew, <laughs> chew gum. <laughs> chew gum. It helps you drink water. Drink water. Okay. Chew like a spearmint or peppermint gum and it'll help you with your water intake. Isn't it great how like uh, you can chalk that up as ministry though? Like, oh, someone from the church, yeah, you exactly. know, they invited Yeah, me but as much I sushi as I eat and the soy sauce that I put on to dude, I was swole like a tick when I got yeah. done. <laughs> so, dude, I, yeah. I killed it. I, it was so good. So we leave for, we leave for life action family camp in two months from tomorrow. Right. So Sunday, July 31st, which is my 51st birthday. Okay. And so now we have the, the 60 day push. Yeah, we do. Right? We got, we got to lose yeah, yeah, some yeah. good poundage before That's right. we go there. Cause That's there's right. some good food. It's, it's, yeah. it's stick to your ribs. And, and I'm week. going there and I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to lose 20 more before I get there. But when I'm there, I'm just going to unload. There you go. Yeah. On exactly. All the food and then yeah. come back and get started. Start again. all over again. I'm not going to go and, you know, intermittent fast while I'm, yeah. So that that hard 75 for goes. How'd you do last week? I've started 
This started the process. We're at least five starts in. So I figured it out. Like it's not about the start or the not completing or whatever. It's about just consistently trying to, you know, you're going to have a bad day Mm -hmm. or two. And then even if you don't necessarily start back, but you Mm -hmm. just get back to it kind of deal. And I've lost six pounds this week and just, and just not really, I mean, I I started watching my weight. The hard thing is because I've started and restarted and starting again tomorrow. The hard thing is figuring out where to fit each thing into your day. Right. Right. So especially the reading the 10 pages. If you're, because I'm at an office, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and stuff, I can't just read at my desk. Right. So I, that that's that's been the struggle for me is where do I fit it in my day? Exactly. So I'm up at 4:45 in yeah. the morning, doing my. I'm going to try to do an hour and a half instead of breaking it up into two 45s. Right. Just going to try to do an hour. Oh, and a half that's one. Of, that's one of the rules. You got to read the rules. Can't be back to back. Listen for. Those uh- <laughs> So like today, um, I was telling you guys earlier and I'll tell our audience, I, I've moved like probably 150 blocks. They're 25 pound blocks. I'm building a retaining wall in the back and just doing some stuff. And so what I was doing was, uh, I, I didn't think about it on the first row, but I had four row high and 36 foot long or 36 blocks long. And so for the next three rows, what I did was every time I'd pick one up, I'd do four curls. You know, well, muscle weighs take, muscle weighs more. Well, than I fat. know that's so a, keep yeah, pumping keep, it. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'd, I'd rather look jacked than you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, fat and plumpy right like to, me right now. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm so tired of it. So, hey, for goes, I got a new, I got one of your new songs here. I want to play. Um, this one's called Heart of Cold. What's uh, what's the story behind that? So this was actually uh, I wrote this in a third person, uh, but this is about the church and how we view sin differently you know mm. we we view sexual promiscuity different than we view lying you know or you gluttony have, or gluttony yeah. um, or drinking um and so it really just deals with this um this view of this young lady who's you know um either been abused or spent too much time in that world right and um yeah that's it. Okay, that's good. In which world? The church world no. or okay. Yeah. Just in the world. Just living and then, too much, yeah. Okay, here it is. This is a heart of gold by Fergoza. So this is kind of the crescendo, the last little line here. Okay. If God it's love she prays that it's enough to heal the hurt she feels inside you know she's willing to give it up mm, i said of god it's love oh i pray that it's enough to heal the hurt i feel inside you know i'm willing to give it up i said of god it's oh that's good dude good i like your lyrics i'm a lyrics guy yeah. and i love the lyrics behind your music everyone else so well the hard part about this song for me was i wrote this one in third person it's actually um it's my story but oh, I, was, wow. I was too ashamed to write it in the first person okay and so i wrote it in the third person i wrote about a girl you know who's been broken and been used emotionally and, and sexually and all the above and um, I couldn't finish it. Just like I just mm. couldn't find an ending. 
And then um, I was like, okay, well, if this is going to be something, it's got to be honest. So it kind of bleeds into, okay, if God is love, she prays it, it's enough right. um, to heal her hurt. She's willing to give it up. Then I was like, okay, and then I'll be honest about it. It's like, oh, I'm there too. And all then right. as I started writing that part, I was like, well, if we think about it as a church, we're all there too. Have you not committed adultery? Right. You know, in the words of Jesus himself. Um, and then the last line is, um, if, uh, if God is love, um, to I, I, basically it says, um, are you willing to give up all the hate in your heart, basically, mm -hmm. uh, and willing good. to show love, um, all the hate that's in your heart, are you willing to give it up? If God's mm -hmm. really enough, us as a church, are we willing to see people who are struggling with that particular uh, sin? Got um, it. What does that look like? And uh, I hooked up with Agape International Missions, which does a bunch of um, fighting against sex trafficking all over the world. And um, that song is really coupled well with that partnership and that relationship. And uh, yeah, that's good stuff, dude. Awesome. I love, uh, love listening to your music and promoting it as well. So go listen to for goes alive and uh, you can check him out on Instagram and uh, where else you at? All the places, all, all the places. places. So just, all, yeah. All the R A G O Z A. He's on, I think he's on Tinder too. Are you on Tinder? Anymore, brother. <laughs> that's a bad place to be. <laughs> <laughs> i've been on before guilty yeah uh, but right. currently no dating apps i'm, I'm cold right. turkey right now okay well he's single so we're trying to get him hooked up with 75 it. hard man good. i'm trying to stay away from all good, yeah exactly good christian girl well i'm excited tonight man we got a great uh, guest tonight um and this guest reached out to me shared a little bit of his story and i thought man this is perfect for the man of god's way crew and uh, <laughs> audience to listen to this just uh a redemptive story and um man i'm excited to have ricky lopez on the the podcast tonight hey ricky how you doing brother good brother god bless you thank you for uh, having me on the special day of memorial yeah exactly it is a very special day and we want to um just thank all of those soldiers and especially their families who are missing their soldiers this weekend for their sacrifice and uh what it means to us to have the freedom to be able to uh, have a barbecue and to enjoy a day off and to have a holiday. And we just thank you guys for so much that, uh, the, the sacrifices that were made from all of our military men and women. Thank you. God. And God bless. So, so Ricky, why don't you, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Why don't you start with, uh, your story and my guys will jump in as we, we hear something that we want to know a little bit more about or uh, question you about. So just start off uh, with your story. Hey, man. Well, um, I think when we originally talked, uh, I, I was uh, congratulating you just on on this Man Up podcast. I was like, man, this is awesome. And me starting off uh, doing this whole podcast thing, I was like, man, this, this guy really has it, has it together. And I was encouraged. I'm always encouraged when men get together. It's just there's something about the brotherhood. And, um, it's just, just something about that community. So, uh, so I was looking and, uh, I was like, what does it mean to even be a man? So I'm attracted to phrases, uh, when people say man up or, or, or be a man, I'm like, who defines that? You know, right. I'm like, did you, did Jesus ever tell any of the disciples to man up or to be a man? And so I'm always curious to see what other guys, uh, definitions are. Because right. it, it's like a kitchen. It's like you have all these ingredients, but does one of those ingredients alone make you a man? Right, does it mean exactly. that 
does it mean that uh, a man looks like going to the gym and lifting more weights or taking out the garbage a little bit more or or doing right. dishes you know what what does a man look like so i'm always uh worry on it but i understand that it's a language that's an important language because there's so much definition to unpack in that so yeah, I'm always with, our, with our name the, the reason that it's man of god's way is because like you said there are so many different ways that you know even society culture um, churches, religions will tell men to man up. Well, to man up God's way is to understand his word. Number one, you know, mm -hmm. God, the father through God, the son and in the power of the Holy spirit. Um, mm -hmm. and you know, one of the things that we've always said is that a man isn't somebody who can chew through steel or bend iron. It's somebody who will humble himself to be used Amen. by God and become the man that he's been called to be. And if you're married to be the man that, uh, the Bible tells you to be in a, uh, a role that is, um, that you love your wife, like Christ loved the church. And, um, and then it goes from there to fatherhood, to serving in the church and so forth and so on. So we want to make sure that men don't, don't use society, you know, and, and from, from what we know and what we've seen is most men didn't have a God, a, a godly father in their lives to teach them what that looked like. And so they're really confused on what masculinity is in the church. Isaiah, Isaiah 66 two. for all those things, my hand has made and all those things exist says the Lord, but on this one, will I look on him who is poor and of a contrite spirit and who trembles at my word. There you go. A lot of verses say, this is the man I will look at, or I will use so it's That's about good. being humble, contrite, and fearful of his word. Amen. Amen. Yeah. That's good. Amen. Awesome. I, I, I asked a, a couple pastors today, and uh, it, it was funny because uh, I got some stutters today, and I was kind of shocked. But I, I was like, if I were to ask some women, I'm sure the women would be like, this is what a man looks like. Right. Or maybe this is what a man looks like in my search for a man or something like that. But anyways, that leads me on to um, saying that. Uh, I was sharing with you that I had to learn how to be a man inside of a prison. So I'll get to I'll get to that part. Um, so <clears throat> growing up, I, I feel like uh, I grew up in a normal home for what I understood normal to be. And uh, I, I had a mom who was on ed, uh, medications and things like that. And we uh, we adopted my uh, cousin because uh, she was molested um, at, 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 at a young age. So uh, my stepdad and my mom decided to bring her in the house. We grew up like brother and sister. We're definitely close. Um, we wouldn't have known the difference that it was a it was a legal matter that connected us as brothers right. and sisters and so um growing up there there were some things that started to happen um that normalities uh my sister started to rebel and um you know i would hear in the other rooms oh it's just a phase she's going through this or she's going through that um but she had some hard things that she was really dealing with inside her heart and i didn't understand it at the time i couldn't I couldn't, I couldn't just fix my mind around it. So uh, anyhow, the, the home started to fight. It started to split up. Um, next thing you know, by, by fifth grade, uh, she's, she's getting pulled out the house, going to 
um, going to homes that the court had sent her to, group homes, what we call them down here in Arizona, um, girls' ranches and stuff like that. And our grandma was like our safe haven. So every time she would run away, she would go over there. And every time we would cross, she would always tell me, she was like, you don't know what's happening in that house, this and that. So it kind of took a toll on me. So uh, the house split uh, fifth grade. Uh, my mom started to get into illicit relationships and I started to grow resentment mm. from what, from what I was hearing from my uh, sister and my stepdad, uh, he just went his way. And, uh, it's really cool because he's still in my life uh, till this day, but, um, we, uh, we just had a broken home at that time. Right. I remember, I remember coming home and just, um, uh, seeing these different guys and I don't want to, um, dishonor my mom. Um, because uh, we've gotten some fights over sharing the, the, the testimony. So I, I want to honor her in every possible way that I can. But the fact of the matter is I grew up in a broken home. Right. And, uh, and so she, she became a stripper. And I remember that some of my friends that I went to school with had found out and they would uh, make jokes on the way to school, like, hey, I slept mm -hmm. with your mom, or hey, this happened. And uh, I didn't take that so well. Uh, I, I really felt that. And so uh, we next thing you know, I was getting into school fights and things like that. Right. Um, I started I started to live promiscuous. And uh, by, by 16, I already had a kid. Um, you know, I, I, I've been introduced to the juvenile court system. Um, I... I was sleeping from house to house, from couch to couch. Wow. Um, I, I, I try to I try to medicate really by um, alcohol. I mean, if we weren't doing beer runs, we were paying homeless people to go in the store mm -hmm. and uh, to get us beer and things like that. And with that kind of lifestyle, you know, I, I mean, you run into people that have drugs, and the the urban neighborhood that I lived in was. Um, it was it was their kind of normal. That's the kind of normal that they had going on in that in that area. And so it wasn't hard to uh, pick up on the things that was happening. Um, so here I am. I'm 16. Um, I'm in this party life. My mom and I were completely not really talking. She moves with a guy to a couple different states. I stay down here. Uh, I met my real dad by the age of 11, but I, I want nothing to do with him. Um, he was the kind of father that was like, hey, we'll throw money at you. And, uh, you know, right. this big house, this big house should keep you happy. This, you know, but he was always absent. And um, so you still don't want anything to do with him or you didn't at the 11 years old. At 11 years okay. old, you know, it was just such a foreign environment to me, Right. Um, especially the rules. I mean, they had, uh, this is the crazy part is that they, they had uh, very ethical rules and very good rules um, for, for, I think, any growing person. Uh, but it's just not something I wanted in my life. Um, I was just so foreign to their environment. But uh, here's the kicker is my dad's doing like 20 something years in the federal prison right now because he has a big name from um, the borders down here. And uh, so, you know, he, he's well known. Let me just say that one day I'll, I'll ask him if he'll share his story when he's released. Right. But um, he has a, he has a he has a pretty big name. And so I always uh, knew my dad as an authoritative person. Right. And so I never, I never, I just knew instinctively, hey, don't question your dad. Your dad is somebody that everybody respects for a reason. Right. And so it, anyhow, um, I, I find my way into um, 
living from house to house, uh, away from both of my parents, um, uh, living with my sister from time to time, living with my son's mom from time to time, um, getting involved in these relationships as party life, and then uh, then going to my grandma's house uh, from school to my grandma's or my grandma's to school. And my grandma was probably the only one in my family that would preach the gospel to me. Yeah, and I, I would... Yeah, I would come and uh, my whole family just from my mom's side, just government, just government welfare, just poverty family. And uh, she would she would open her home up and share those big blocks of government cheese with me and <laughs> and uh, <laughs> this can of, of fish and all that. And she would whip it right up in the kitchen and I'd be hungry and I would eat. And sometimes I would hide out at her place because of where she lived was geographically a very bad area. Right. And so um, if I if if I knew there were some uh people that were affiliated downstairs or something you know i'd kind of hide out over there because if i wasn't with the boys i wasn't trying to get jumped that day um <laughs> so so grandma was my safe haven but at that time she would uh always have tbn on and i'm not a big fan of, of tbn or, or certain uh certain certain channels and stuff but uh, it was a channel that worked in my grandma's life right. and she claimed she claimed to be catholic and uh she would watch tbn and all these things but one thing i do know is that she knew um the word of god she knew uh jesus by by scripture she'll say hey jesus is 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 is, is who you need to have in your life and, and so i would i would always take that and i would be convicted and so in my conviction, uh, I would have these little prayer conversations with God. I'd be like, hey, God, I want to get out of this mess, uh, but I'm probably not going to do it on my own. Wow. And so so I would always just pray to God with conviction, like I know what I'm doing is wrong. And so um, I remember one night just being completely wasted at 16. We were in a car and we were driving. We had these girls in the back of the car and we were all just just hanging out and having a good time. And um, I was kind of blacking out. And I just remember telling God, I said, God, I know I'm not coming to you uh, unless I'm cornered. And at 16, I knew that. I knew right. unless I was I was cornered that I wasn't going to turn to God. I was like, this is just way too much fun. And so, so 16, 16 happens, a few weeks pass by, and I find myself in a really crazy situation. Um, I, I stopped at a, a person's house that I knew. Uh, we got into an altercation. Um, I end up shooting the guy, uh, trying to get out the house, and uh, I shoot him in his arm. And the bullets, uh, it was a 22 gun, it ricocheted off his bone and went into his heart. And uh, it, it bounced in his body. Yeah. And, and, and he ended up dying. I thought the guy was alive. Um, and again, I'm trying to get out the house and all I hear here is him cussing at me, you little da 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 da, -da whatever. Right. And uh, so I run, I run out the uh, the complex and uh, I, I go to the payphone and I, I call, I say, I heard a gunshot over here on this floor, uh, uh, go check it out and I leave it alone. And then that night um, I just, uh, just know that there's police surrounding uh, the, my, my son's mom's house. And uh, they come in, I hear a knock on the door and uh, I hear, hey, um, is there a, a Ricardo here? And uh, I'm like, yeah, that's me. And they're like, hey, we're gonna need to come in. And uh, they, they tell me, we're gonna have to arrest you. You were a suspect, um, a homicide happened downtown. And they give me the whole spill. So I'm 16 years old, I'm in handcuffs and I'm, I'm now heading out um, to the police station. And the, you know, they, they, they read me on my rights. They tell me what options are available. I uh, end up pleading the fifth and I say, I, I think I need a lawyer. And so 
<clears throat> they sent me to a cell. And in this cell, I'm just remembering everything that my grandma had told me. And I'm like, here I am, God. Here's that corner. Here's that corner. <laughs> <laughs> Here's that wow. corner. Uh, I, 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 know, I know I'm in trouble. And uh, I, I don't even question it. I, I just, I'm like, hey, this is, this is deep. This is, this is, this is real. Um, and I'm in the juvenile court system. Mind you, I have guys. Um, and, and the juvenile prison is probably the worst. Right. Everyone has everyone has something to prove inside the juvenile hall. Um, they're all out to, for a name type of thing. And so I hear all these uh, kids just banging on their windows, asking questions. The guy next to me, um, he was he he stabbed his I think it was his sister's uh, boyfriend or something uh, multiple times in the middle of it, went out to go smoke a cigarette, came back in, finished the job. And he was like 17 years old. I think he's doing life in prison now. A couple cells uh, down from me, there was another kid who um, I think shot somebody, uh, I think just just at point blank range, just brutally. And uh, he's wow. doing a long sentence. So this, we're talking about minors in this environment. So it just kind of, it kind of just paints out this picture of, of the city. And right. uh, that's, that's honestly the city that, that the, the crime rate has, has gone up in. So I'm surrounded by um, just, just all these kids who um, just need to be born again. And so now I'm here with this decision in this corner, I'm in this pit and I'm, I'm remembering my grandma, hey, you need to get right with Jesus. And so I'm, I'm, I'm kneeling down and I'm like, God, I, I know I'm in trouble. And at this point, I'm like, I'm not even asking you to get me out of here. I'm not even asking you to set me free from this place. Um, I, I know what it is. I just want to be free from the inside out. And I remember that for the first time in, 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 a, in, in the realest way that I could possibly know or understand. I just remember that prayer being so sincere to God wow. and remember, remember looking at the clock and just remembering that um, I had this freedom that came on me. Um, I didn't deserve this freedom, this freedom, you know, I, I couldn't explain. It was a piece of, uh, of the understanding that, that passes all understanding, as scripture says, which I read later on in my journey. And I was like, that's me. That's what happened to me. Mm. And so for the first time um, in, in a pit, being in, 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 in a prison, I felt freedom. You would think that I would feel freedom from being in the free world. Um, you think, you know, you would think right. that the alcohol and all that stuff would would have gave me a sense of freedom, but I've never felt this kind of freedom um, before. And that that to me was my um, my proof of my proof to faith. It was my evidence to wow. faith. And I just knew that 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 God had did something in me. He had set me he had set me free from from this bondage that I was carrying for from all those years. My grandma just preaching to me. Praise God. So let me ask yeah. you, let me ask you this. So you, you kind of have it. I've been to jail, but I haven't been to prison. Uh, yeah. mine, mine was a country club jail for a couple hours because I didn't pay some tickets or whatever. But yeah, um, you, you, you said something a while ago. You've never been more free than you were in prison. So yeah. so for most people, the sin that they're that's in their life is a prison and they don't realize mm -hmm. that until they finally receive mercy and grace from god the father through son their son his son jesus christ and that's that's where you know the world doesn't understand that they are in bondage that they are in prison um and so you're saying that even being behind bars being in prison that the freedom that you received in that moment was greater than the freedom of you walking outside those doors it was oh, yes man. okay that's good
That is good. Yeah. And, and uh, it, as a, as a believer now, and you're outside the, those jail cell walls, and we'll get to that story here in just a minute, but, but doesn't that, to me, that probably makes your heart want everybody to know the freedom that you had, not, not outside this, the, the prison, but it, inside the prison, you can have freedom no matter where you are. Yes. Amen. Amen. It's, it's just like, it's just like going into the, the fiery furnace in, uh, in, in the book of Daniel. It's like, how can they go into a place like that unless God is doing a work in their, in their heart, unless God is giving them peace where they are at? So I, I really govern my life now by, by peace because that's how God originally spoke to me um, through that salvation mm -hmm. encounter. And so it's just like the peace that surpasses all understanding. Now, there's a, there's a verse out there, too, that talks about uh, let the peace of God um, rule you, like uh, basically like be your referee in life. Mm -hmm. And so th there's a, there's not too many things that I, like when it comes to big decisions that I don't do without the peace of God uh, being present, because I know that that was that that language that God had first spoke to me in. And so uh, anyways, go, going, moving along. Um, so here I am as a young man, I really don't know how to read. I'm, I'm pretty illiterate. You know, I, I failed on all kinds of levels. I was a um, special education student, uh, you know, even in the prison system, I failed uh, my GED multiple times. So here I am stuck in a cell with a, with a Bible and um, I'm starting to read. And so I'm starting to just, uh, read everything that that's that's being written in the scripture and you can just tell i'm i'm being excited about everything i'm feeling like everything that jesus is saying in red letters is is me like where the where the seeds had fell i was like man i've been all three of those guys i've been on stony ground i've been on yeah. <laughs> and so on and so forth and, and I, i'm relating now and um so jesus is speaking to me on this personal level through scripture and uh and now I'm but you're, wanting you're to still 16 correct you're still 16. 16. Okay. Yeah. Right. And I'm, I'm facing this major case, right? Because um, it reminds you, my, my, my bond was at a million dollars and uh, I was facing first degree murder on the, on the original charges um, until, you know, all the evidence comes in. That's just how the system works. And so anyways, I have two lawyers fighting my case and I'm inside prison now. I'm not even so much worried about whether I'm getting out. I know I'm going to do some time. I just didn't know how much. But there's also a possibility of getting out on self-defense, but that was a risky possibility. So um, I, I owned up to what I thought was fair through the uh, justice system when they uh, offered me the plea bargain that they did. And so um, in between this, um, I'm now talking to the guys about Jesus and I, I'm still learning, you know, the, these kids are still testy and um, they they, you know, I, I did get into a few fights out there. I lost my cool inside the juvenile system uh, a few times, um, you know, but that's just, that was just part of the process of growing. I, I didn't know how to be a man. I was still a kid, right. you know, I, I didn't know you could, you could fight differently. Um, and so every time uh, I would get into these uh, situations, you know, Jesus was right next to me through scripture, just like, hey, you know, keep your cool in this way. So, right. so I'm learning, I'm learning how to, how to navigate this new uh, Christian walk. 
um, going to church on the Sundays. And, and then finally, you know, uh, my case starts to unfold and uh, the lawyers come in and they said, hey, the prosecutor wants to offer you. Um, and it's funny because my lawyer, he's, he's on my Facebook and he shares some of my stuff. Uh, he don't ever talk to me about my case anymore. Uh, but it's so cool because I always used to tell him about Jesus. And uh, uh, we only talked a few times, but uh, I see him uh, scrolling on my Facebook every now and again. He's retired now, so I, I think there's uh, so much that he can do. Yeah, but uh, exactly. he, yeah, he would always question me, are you going to keep up with this Jesus thing when you get out? So it's funny because he just shared something uh, uh, just, just a couple of days ago. But uh, anyhow, so they come in and they're like, hey, listen, uh, you have a couple of options here. We can take this to trial. We can go to self-defense and uh, you can fight it this way um, uh, based off of all the evidence and everything here. But they said, but the prosecutor wants to push it this way. And if they push it this way, and if they convince a jury that uh, you were here for this reason, X, Y, and Z, um, and if they can spin the story this way, then you can look at a possible 25 years to life. So wow. what they're gonna what they're gonna do for you is they're gonna offer you a, a plea bargain for reckless manslaughter. And so I said, okay, what is that? And uh, they they explained it to me the the recklessness of, of my age, you know, my mental health and all that stuff. And they say. Um, this is a good deal. And um, I'm looking at it and I'm, I'm a little upset at that point. I'm like, I'm like, no, I feel, I feel like we can do something else. But then um, I'm thinking about everything, just everything in my past, everything um, that I've learned through scripture. Um, at that point, um, I was like, you know what, this is God offering a second chance. This is God offering me a chance to, um, to, to make amends, to take some consequence and to, um, to do, do what, do my punishment. And so I took it as an answer from God after I really sat and thought about it. And I said, you know what, I'm going to sign guilty on this. And I decided to sign guilty, um, you know, cause there's a scripture that says, if you hide your sin, you're not going to prosper. Right. And I, I forget if that's in uh, Proverbs or, or Psalms or whatever, but I, I remember uh, being confronted in 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 those kind of scriptures, and I would just I would just think, and I'd be like, you know what, I need to own up to to uh, something. This could be for multiple reasons, and so I took it as God's answer. I, I sign. Um, I thought they might have gave me ten years, but they ended up giving me five and a half. The judge looked at me and said, um, "You're a young father. You're a young man, and um, uh, I want to give you another chance." Um, um, considering the evidence and considering uh, the person and everything that was involved in it, he gave me another chance and um, I took it. I didn't want to do jailhouse religion, so I was sentenced to uh, five and a half years. I turned 18, walked across uh, to the adults um, to the adult section, and um, I did the rest of my time. And then I had to learn how to be a man in an environment of a bunch of men who failed in life. Right. A bunch of men who are dealing with daddy issues, mommy wow. issues, and whatever whatever else issues. So here I am, 18 years old, uh, missed most of my childhood uh, as far as the the very important years. Right. Um, yeah. So, anyways, that that's how that's how that happened. So, so you went from 16 to 22, and 21, 21, and you were you were in prison the whole time. Um, so, so tell us what. What I mean, you know, it's kind of a, a dumb question, but it's kind of like, what is prison life like? You know, especially for a young guy that is most likely immature, um, you mm -hmm. know, trying to probably, uh, you know, have to keep your own uh, without losing your temper, without, 
you know, getting any scuffles or anything like that. Uh, how did, uh, how did you go when you went from juvenile to, um, the adult prison there? How just, did that go? Just real quick before we, we get yeah, to that, yeah. something spoke to me while, while you were talking about the charge. And I, I, I felt like, um, if, like, if you really looked at, at the, uh, the, uh, facts of what had happened and how he described it and what was going on. I, and what came to me was that God is a righteous judge and that that charge that he pleaded to was actually probably the closest to what actually was happening in that moment, the reckless manslaughter that he was young, the state of mind that he was in this, that, and the other, as opposed to murder one and, or it was completely self-defense. You know what I'm saying? I was thinking the same thing, five years for, you know, killing somebody that's, you know, even, you know, and I, I understand that it was self-defense, but you know, they could, you you had a history already, you know, it was kind of like they had, they had the cards stacked against you to an extent, but that's great that God intervened like Mm. that. That's cool. So prison life, how was that? Yeah, uh, well, complete mir- it was a complete miracle because I didn't realize uh, the miracle in it because uh, most of the guys that uh, actually were doing time uh, for small crimes uh, were doing sentences up to 15 to 20 years. Oh, wow. And so, so it, it was, it, it's nothing short of a miracle. Um, you know, so what, what was offered to me and what was actually granted to me um, a complete miracle. I'm 32 years old now. I can look back and I can, I, I can understand uh, the gravity of, of everything in a, in a different way. Um, but uh, anyhow, going to uh, the uh, prison life. Yeah. So you do 85% of your time in Arizona. And so uh, good behavior, you get out, um, you know, uh, a little bit early or whatnot, or you're your early release date. But so I'm 18. And the first one of the first persons I run into is a guy who just got off of a death row. He's from the same town as me. And uh, I'm on a level three yard because it's it's levels to the yard. There's a two yard, a three yard, a four yard and a max. And uh, it's it's the prisons um, have its own culture. So obviously, it's not like the culture out here. Um, So I land in a three yard. Uh, so you'll, the yard you land on is, is definitely depending on your charges and things like that. So the atmosphere is, uh, you know, it's, it's very racial. So I had to run with the Mexicans, um, the blacks ran with the blacks, the whites ran with the whites and each one is just uh, strict in its own way. And so that's just, that's just the culture. Uh, so, so were you gang, were you gang banging or did you just get caught up in the wrong, just the wrong uh, crowd for a second? I was definitely in the wrong crowd. I was definitely okay. hanging around with gangbangers. I was definitely doing, um, through, throughout my teenage years, I was definitely doing wrong. Okay. Um, that, that day I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, so, so, uh, so inside the prison, uh, there, there is just a racial thing and you could be part of their politics. We call it politics. Um, and you know that that comes all at a cost uh, status uh, putting in work uh, doing things that they they want you to do the shot callers uh so anyhow uh i grew up in that environment so you know they allowed you to go to church and so that's what i wanted to do so the, the one of the first guys i met he was a hardcore church goer uh he had just got off a of death row and uh we bumped into each other going down the run and uh, he was like, excuse me. And I was like, oh, I was like, my, my apologies. And it, you got to remember, everyone has uh, manners in prison because that's their home. 
Right. You know, some some of these guys aren't getting out, so they don't play kid stuff inside um, inside prison. There's a lot of respect, very militant kind of way of living, uh, because they you're going to deal with consequences if if you come in there and uh, you get the yard locked down or you do certain things that uh, makes your race look bad. Um, they're going to handle business. They're going to send three or four guys on you, and they're going to slap you up, and um, they're going to make sure that you you learned a lesson. And so, uh, so I remember the first time coming in, I, I, I ran, I run into this guy and, uh, he, uh, he's, he's intimidating. He's a big guy. And, uh, so we start to talk cause he's a couple bunks down from me and he tells me, Hey, yeah, I go to church. He's like, man, I gave my life to the Lord, uh, years ago. And so we become really good friends and, uh, he introduces me to all the brothers. And this is kind of cool too, because, um, he's the first guy I met that was a Christian when I went in and, uh, he, and the first time I go back to prison, when I'm released to go preach the gospel, he's the first guy I see again. <laughs> wow. So, so it, it was a full circle thing and so uh he ended up pulling to the uh place that I, I i went to and he's doing really good really awesome now and so uh so i got immediately i got into a foundation of, of solid brothers who were who were serving the lord on the yard um you know we still had to abide by the politics by the culture just like we do in this society in the free world we we abide by certain things of of the free world the uh, culture um uh, to a certain extent at least right. and so so anyhow, uh, I, I'm learning uh, how how these men are. I, I, I noticed that you know a, a lot of them have stories that uh, that that are that are some seem innocent and some just seem off the wall, like where they're having mommy and daddy issues, and a lot of that stuff right. led to them, to them going into prison. And then I and you know in small conversations you ask them, hey, are you a father? And then, yeah, I have three kids out there. Yeah, I have a wife out there. Yeah, I have uh, five kids out there. And you're just like, whoa, what's what's going on? You know what I mean? So that means there's a whole family on the other side of this gate that are that are that that's not being guided by the man that that God wants you to be on the outside. So think about 500 inmates in one yard um, with they all have children, uh, maybe two or three children at the minimum. Now multiply that. Now you're looking at 1,500 lives that are that are not being guided right now by by who God's uh, by by God's design. And so it's so so interesting when you look at it at that scale. There there's just a lot of people in our culture now that are that are absent of their of their parents or 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 whatever. And so uh, I I immediately knew that I didn't want to be that guy. I had a kid out That's there true. and I was like I don't want to be um, that guy. I want to be who the guy that God calls me to be and so no one in my in my house believes me that i'm saved they're all like man this this kid he's gonna go right back to prison um you know what i mean my mom's the only <laughs> one that really had hope for me she was like oh that's so good that you met jesus and i'm like yeah i hear that you met jesus too mom so we're both excited on fire for jesus she gave up her drug habits she gave up all her things and now she's following jesus um you know the family goes yeah, I, was, I was gonna ask you that a while ago did she reconcile with her Past. Sounds right. like she did. You know, you said she she doesn't like when you tell the testimony. I, I get that because yeah. my mom my mom cringes every time I tell my testimony. And yeah. um, you know, I can I, if she's reconciled with her past, then she understands why why you're doing what you're doing. So that that's yeah. awesome to hear. Praise God. So just just real quick, um, and and maybe I missed it at the beginning. Was your was your grandmother alive to see the the fruit of this or or no? Oh yeah, she's she's uh, she's alive now. Yeah, okay. she's alive okay. now. Awesome. Yo. That's awesome. Yeah. 
Yeah, so so I'm growing in this prison system. I'm realizing that I need to be um, a, a better guy for Jesus. So I'm taking advantage of learning more about uh, God in prison. Uh, I ended up getting released. Uh, 2010, I paroled to a, uh, a discipleship home uh, alongside ministries. I graduate from there. Um, a pastor uh, from the Salvation Army um, decides to um, uh, open up his home to me. He says, hey, when are you graduating? And I'm like, uh, I graduate here here at this time, da 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 And he was like, hey, I really believe that God wants you to be in the ministry. Mm. And I'm like, I'm like, Okay. I was like, what makes you think that? And so he's, he's talking to me and he was like, just think about it. So graduation comes and I already turned this guy down three times. And so I, I paroled to a whole different city. I'm, I'm disconnected from everybody. Um, I, I knew at some point I needed to be, be a father to my son again. So everything I'm doing is working up to be um, th this guy that's trying to uh, rebuild from the bottom up. And so this guy pulls me into his home after I finally say, yeah, uh, he puts me in a youth ministry to work with juveniles, but he opens up his home completely to me, single guy. And he's just like, you know, I just feel like this is something Jesus would do. And I'm like, you know, my charges and stuff. And he's like, yeah, but I don't see that in you. Wow. And it, it, it's, it's so funny because even now um, I have to convince people that I've been to prison. <laughs> uh, even now i have to like it's like no 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 you don't understand I, i've been there before they're like no you have it I'm like yeah i have right. it, that's just the cleanup of jesus and so so this guy's like i don't see that in you i see i see who god wants you to be so he's trying to get me into his calling and uh he becomes like the spiritual father to me and so i i work with uh youth uh being a youth director slash youth pastor for uh, like eight different communities uh, for about five years until I meet my wife. And um, so I, I end up meeting my wife and uh, she, she's a pastor's daughter and her dad had passed away. Her mom's heavily involved in the ministry and uh, her family's all comes from a, a strong lineage of just uh, a Pentecostal uh, uh, Jesus uh, followers. And they're just, they're just in love with Jesus. And so uh, I, I come out here to Casa Grande. I moved to another city that we're just a complete stranger of. And then God opens this door like, hey, you need, it's time to go get your son. And in the middle of this, you know, I'm still learning and I'm still growing in rhetoric. I'm still growing in, in, in speech and uh, just different areas right. of life. And so we get married, we have this beautiful wedding, and uh, I can't move into her place because I have a felony. Uh, come to find out, we go through this big old ordeal, and then so the mom's like, why don't you come over here? So we, we move to this small town in the middle between the two major cities, and we get custody of my son. I go to the judge, I ask for my rights back, was denied like several times. Um, and it was just, I had the, I had all these challenges and, uh, she knew it and she, she's, she, uh, she stuck along with me through all that. So it was really good. And so, um, so needless to say, uh, from, from 16 to now, you know, I'm a book author. I, I got my rights back, uh, married to a pastor's daughter, do uh, street evangelism and, uh, you know, did the whole, uh, prison ordeal and, uh, just stayed faithful to Jesus in there. And, uh, that's kind of. That's kind of where I'm at today is just, uh, I'm 32 now. So it's been, it's been years since the prison. Yeah, exactly. Praise God. Praise God. Well, I know it stays on top of your mind because it's in your testimony. Right. You know, you're, you're telling it all the time. And I can imagine that, you know, just drums up stuff, but 
praise God. We, ben and I always talk about, you know, having a Saul side of your testimony and a Paul side of your testimony, you know, mm. everything prior to, to becoming a Paul was everything that you did. Everything after Paul is what God has done. And, uh, we love to hear that part where, where God is working in your life and moving you in the direction that, uh, you are today. Um, and, and that's exciting to see because, uh, statistically speaking, uh, you beat the odds, you know, yes. most, yeah. most men, most women who get stuck in that system don't get out and they don't get out unscathed and not saying that you don't have some, you know, mental, maybe some spiritual, um, issues from the past, but, uh, you know, all intents purposes, you're pretty much unscathed. You, you've got a family, you've got, you know, a job, you've got a growing ministry. Uh, most of those men don't, they don't get out and do that. And that's, uh, that's a, that's a sad situation because I do obviously believe that it is all God. That's, mm-hmm. that's because God, you know, you, you, he used that moment to take you and, and mold you while you were in prison. Yeah. The, 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 all, all the power of our testimony is in the Saul side of it because we don't know the Paul, we don't own the Paul side right. of it. So I always tell people, don't, don't shy away. Like don't just gloss over where he brought you from. Cause they, right. the power of your testimony, I'm not saying you are glossing over, but the power of your testimony today to me was, was where God brought you from. Right. I've seen a lot of people come from a lot of places. They're Christians. Now they're living good, faithful lives. That's powerful, but Amen. the power is in where you were. Right. I mean, What's his name? Ananias told Jesus, I ain't going to get him. He'll kill me. He'll kill me. He told the Lord who he knew was the Lord. Do you know who this man is? Right. Right. And so the power of Paul's testimony was the, the fact that they knew who he was. And when they saw him and he's preaching a new gospel, now all of a sudden they're looking at this man and they're saying, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. this isn't a guy that pulled himself up by his own bootstraps. This is regeneration. Right. This is something new, right? So I, I love you guys that, that, that come from this, you know, this background, whether it be drugs or addiction or prison, there's so much power right. in that because you were, you literally were at the crossroads of life and God mm-hmm. delivered you. Not only did he deliver you, he delivered you quickly. Yeah, exactly. In, yeah. in the big scheme of things. Yeah. 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 Have you, um, have you had any opportunity? I don't know the guy that you shot or anything like that. Have you had any opportunity to, you know, talk with the family or give condolences or was there like, was he even, did anybody really care that he'd passed away? Like, you know, there's some people out there, I guess that unfortunately don't have a whole lot of uh, family life anyway. Yeah, he was, he was actually a guy who didn't have a whole lot of family life right. or, a whole lot of connections just because of um, just the, the street stuff, um, apparently. So that, that I'm sure that was also a factor. Right. Um, yeah, I, I like to, you know, there's all kinds of ingredients to this Christian walk. Right. Uh, you know, it's just it, it's just insane. I like to tell people that uh, if it takes a community to help convict a person, it'll take a community to help restore a person. Right. And um, I think one of one of the things that kept me solid on track was the the whole idea that I had communities. I had a band of brothers uh, surrounding me, right. and uh, it was just something about 
you know, watching my pastor, um, because my pastor, when I first got out, he immediately took me under his wing. Uh, he was like, he was like, dude, he was like, this is the kind of story that people want to write books on. He was right. like, uh, he was like, don't, don't get caught up into the whole Christian. Uh, we're going to puff you up, send you over here and, and have you talk to a great bigger crowd. And then you go fall a year later, you go fall two weeks later. He right. says, you, you need to be mentored and you need to be discipleship. So he uh, took me under his wing, just like he did many other guys. Uh, but he really had uh, he really had a close eye on me and he would uh, he would allow me to sit into the conference rooms where he would uh, disciple people and where he would get these phone calls in of uh, uh, mentors just dealing with pornography, uh, people dealing with addiction, um, these re reflex uh, devils just coming up and taking out people that were, um, that just had, that we thought had the solid relationship with Jesus. And so I, I was under a really good leadership when I got out. So I, I credit a lot of things to the leadership. Um, uh, he was my, my pastor, uh, he was very, uh, careful with, with raising me up. And, uh, he was, he was even, he didn't even want to release me to, to go into ministry, um, even, uh, after I graduated. Uh, so it was, it, it was one of those things. So, um, you know, community ha has been a big factor into who I am today and it still is really, yeah. um, it, it's, it's the whole iron sharpens iron thing. Um, so I've seen, I've seen person after person you know, whether they're new in the faith or all of a sudden something has happened in their faith and they jump into, you know, wanting to, to preach it or teach it or, you know, take off and speak about it and all that just literally fall flat on their face because they didn't take the time to be discipled. You know, mm -hmm. that, that process of just making sure that I love what you said a while ago, he didn't release you to go into ministry, you know, the, and that you stood under the authority of the pastor uh, to allow him to help you um, make that right decision because you could have easily stepped right into it. You know, you've, you've got a great story. Uh, I mean, you've obviously written a book about it. We'll talk about that here in just a second. Um, th there's so many avenues that you could have gone down that in the world's eyes would have been very successful, but eventually would probably have, put you back in a bad spot. And that's, that's, yeah. uh, that's honorable that you did that. That's, um, that's pretty impressive actually yeah. uh, for you to do that. That's great. So this was the, um, this was the Salvation Army pastor that did that, correct? Uh, no, this was the alongside ministries pastor when okay. I first got out. And then, uh, then the uh, Salvation Army. A lot of people don't know much about the Salvation Army. Um, they're they're known for uh, a lot of good deeds and um, you know just uh, doing uh, what we know as good. Uh, but there's a church side of them. 1865, they were born by a guy by the name of William Booth, and right. um, soap soap soup salvation was was yeah. their model. And yeah, so they have a great story. And I thought they were a cult when I first uh, <laughs> when I first walked into with uh, all the uniforms and everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, and, you know, I don't agree everything with what they do, but, uh, man, they were the uh, jumping point that, uh, really, uh, uh, helped, helped me grow. Right. And so, so I, I, I do whatever I can do for them. I definitely do for them. Um, the same with alongside ministries and some of these other ministries that, uh, just, uh, walked alongside of me. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So, so let's talk about, um, let's talk about your book. Um, You've written a book. How long ago did you write the book? Um, 2017 was my first book. Um, it was uh, it was it was titled Attitude Reflecting Character. Okay. 
And and uh, the second book just recently, I think uh, just right before or right uh, in the beginning of the pandemic, uh, Minutes with God. And um, uh, after I left ministry and came to um, a, a, a desolate place as a stranger uh, to the small town, uh, I, I realized that I had a, a writing gift and uh, people would tell me and they would uh, just confide in me and just say, hey, you know, we see this in you. So it kind of stirred me up. Again, there's that whole thing of community uh, jumping into action. And they're like, hey, you know, uh, you have a gift in this area. Don't you uh, want to be mentored in it or take it to the next level? And, and so I did that. I, I sat up hours, uh, days after day, and I, I would just write. And so I wrote my first book, Attitude Reflecting Character. And um, it was just uh, a lot of times I, I want to clarify, too. A lot of times when I do ministry now, um, I hope people understand that uh, it's not just for for the streets. It's also for me. I think God gives me um, word to develop me as well, um, as, as well as others, and as well as giving him the glory and, and just uh, serving him. But uh, a lot of things we do in the church is really for our development as well. These yeah, podcasts. I always, I always, these- yeah, I always tell my people, you know, sometimes this sermon's for me today. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm preaching this sermon for me today. I, I, I need it, not you. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Yeah, so so attitude reflecting character was really birthed with that idea of me looking at the mirror and said, hey, hey, you need to change your attitude. <laughs> and so here, here I am like, well, let me write about this. And so here I am venting, here I am blogging, um, you know, and, and so I'm writing this uh, 40 day uh, journey devotion. I want to make it easy to read, especially for the kids that um, I mentored over the years and now going to college and jumping into their careers. Um, I wanted to make a book so they can um, have as well. So that was part of the motivation. And so so the book is birth. I share my testimony in there. Um, it's a 40 day devotional. And then um, the, the next book is born after that. It's called Minutes with God. And uh, the whole idea was, you know, I, I know that living out here now in the free world is that people don't have a whole lot of time for anything anymore. Right. And and uh, you, I mean, let me just paint it out this way. The average dad or the average mom normally has about six to five hours with their kids. Um, on on a weekday, right. so say you're say you're going in from nine to five, and you have this leftover time to make dinner, to to do your kids' homework, to talk to your kids. You really don't have a whole lot of time with family life, and I think and that's, that's assuming key. that they're not playing sports. Exactly. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. So so that that to me, I knew that was an issue right off the top. I'm like. You know, we're preaching to people to read their Bibles, and we need to preach that. Um, we're preaching them to take their family to church, but we also need to preach that they need to uh, 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 do all these things together in togetherness. And so uh, just I, I just realized that uh, time out here is is so different from time in prison. Right. In time, in time, I had peace when I read my Bible. In time, I had, I had peace when I was just uh, learning and being excited about God's word. Um, out here, it's crazy. It's like, when do you have time for God? And so, you know, you wake up, say you're running late, you got to change diapers, you know, well, wherever you're at in your season of life, you know, I mean, some people have it better, you know, some people are single and, and things like that. And they have a little bit 
you know, let less responsibilities in areas, but man, out here, it's crazy. Like, to, don't to you, even don't you think a lot? I mean, if you were to literally be disciplined in your time that you have more than plenty of time to read your Bible. Oh mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. I, I, I totally, I totally yeah. agree, but we're definitely not living in a Jonathan Edwards, uh, time of life where Jonathan could just sit under a tree and just write for hours, right, yeah. you know, or <laughs> yeah, but if like you it's, yeah. it's the distraction, right? Like it has nothing to do with things that are actually prevalent or things that are, you know, good in your life. But Ben was talking about it earlier. We we're talking about trying to get 75 hard done. We're talking about right. 10 pages of reading. Right. And for me, <laughs> and I'm I'm doing the Bible read. Okay. So I'm listening to audiobooks, but I'm trying to do 10 pages of Bible reading in the morning. Right. And I'm with you, Ben. I gotta wake up at like 4 a.m. just yeah. to make that happen. And if I don't, it ain't happening that right. day. Not because I'm so overwhelmed with things that I have to do. It's things yeah, that yeah. I have to do, bro. Yeah, you know, the, they, they could wait. And yeah. the, the issue, the issue isn't so much time in the day. It's okay. So you'll know if you're doing any type of a diet, food prep is the key. Yeah. You get caught out at lunch. You didn't bring your food. Next thing you know, you're at Wendy's your cheeseburger because it's right bread. down yeah, the road. Exactly. You've got a half an hour to an hour for lunch. And it's right there. Even if you eat the burger without the bun, it's just so you have to prepare. There has to be a routine there. I think you have he's, to have a, a he's actually done that. You know, I have. Yeah, OK, like I just take the, the bun, bun off of it and eat the double cheeseburger. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But it, but it, but I left. Right. I either left my salad at home or I didn't have a right. salad prepared. Yeah, prepared right. right. And so there's got to be a discipline and a routine to everything. And I'm, you know, I'm the most undisciplined, unroutine person except for you in the world. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the point. I mean, that's the point of us even doing 75 hard. We talked about how many days we've missed. Like, right. okay, it's been two weeks and I've I've failed five times, but over the course of the next three or four months, as I try to do this 75 days in a row, it's building Think of how many pages of Bible. You exactly. Yeah. It's, it's building that discipline to where <clears throat> when I'm done with the 75 hard, the goal is not to stop. Oh, I did it. Great. Right. I'm yeah, in phenomenal exactly. shape. Summer's over. Yeah, where's now the winter. pasta and the mashed potatoes nah, and it, everything else? It's yeah, to exactly. build the discipline so that continues yeah. On. But Ricky, you know, Ricky's talking about how your day gets away. So here, here's the hardest day for me for doing 75 hard the day of the podcast. Yeah. I get off work. I'm going to be up till 10. So it, it, at least 11, because right, I get home, get it's, home. it's yeah. 25 minutes home or whatever. So I, so between four 30 and the time I want to take a nap around five 30 <laughs> to six 30, I would have to work in that 45 minutes of that second workout. Now right? I did offer, right? I did offer, I'm willing to, to conduct a you, 45 minute workout. You're not before. the keeper of the rules. <laughs> if I do my hour and a half in the morning, that's it. I'm so just saying, I don't care what you say. I'm willing to facilitate. I'll bring the weights from the gym yeah, yeah, that yeah. we opened and we'll do a workout here in the parking yeah, lot. Yeah, we're, we're getting off on a rabbit trail. Yeah. Yeah. Ricky's right. about to show us how his book is going to help us get yeah, our minutes exactly. in with God each day. Yeah. Go ahead, yeah. Ricky. All right. Hey, man, that's good, but that's a real discussion. Yeah. Um, Ricky, you know, this, this can go sideways real quick. Yeah. So stay on your toes. None <laughs> of us are hunters here. We got a whole lot of rabbit trails. So. <laughs> Yeah, so so I realized um, that, you know, this is an issue. Time management is an issue in our culture. Uh, we're very demanding people in the West. Uh, 
And uh, if I look at Western culture and then I look at Eastern culture, uh, we have missed the mark when yeah. it comes to, um, to, to managing our time a little bit better when it comes, especially when it comes to, uh, I want to say a higher power, like, you know, the Muslims have this time where they're faithfully praying to, uh, to their God and they're actually setting time apart. And it's, it's to their credit and to our shame, really, that, that we don't take on those practices, even like the Mormons, uh, the Mormons have this great operation of where they're, they're, they're very well disciplined. They're very uniformed in, in going out and stuff. They just serve the wrong Jesus. And then you have the Jehovah's witnesses that, you know, they spend, uh, uh, parts of their day, you know, uh, you know, doing ministry in togetherness. Um, so I just, and, and they're unified across the states and stuff. And then I, I come to Christianity. I'm like, man, we got the right Jesus, but man, we have this different appetite on how we, how we live this thing out. And so, so one of the factors or one of the key ingredients I realized is that it's, uh, we would accomplish a lot more if we did our time management discipline a little bit better. Um, especially in, in our, our, our private life with Jesus, if we, you know, had that more devotional time, that more prayer time, right. um, you know, I, I just think we would be a better people or uh, maybe have better examples of, of walking this Christian thing out because uh, yeah, it's not, for, it's not for God's benefit. Right. You know, it's your benefit. You know, God gave you the opportunity to have a benefit in and through his word in and through his prayer um you decide to take it or not in deuteronomy when moses is laying down the law 11 or 12 times it says do this so that it may go, go well, well with, with you, you and with your children right it's not for god god doesn't need us for anything right it's so that it may go well with us and with our children yeah. you know that's good yeah well that's we're good let's uh let's pull out joshua for a second we're talking about an elite guy we're talking about a guy who you know god used mightily and uh what it, what was the instruction that god gave him meditate on this day and night right yeah, yeah exactly and and it was so it was it that ingredient was so important to his victory uh to where god was taking him and uh him as a leader he was taking the people to that whole meditation part was just uh so vital to his ministry and so i think joshua was a perfect example in that um but yeah so so i i saw this need so uh that's minutes where god was birthed um so i i I wanted to make an easy enough, but a theological enough book for people to read where they could just open it up at any page and they could read a one day devotion. Um, a lot of times, you know, we're the only Bible people see. And I know we quote that um, a, a lot in churches or uh, just uh, Facebook posts or whatever, but it's true. Um, I, I have people that I have not talked to on Facebook for years that remember me when I was first um, being discipled and, and being a Christian in Christian service. And uh, I'll, I'll talk about like four or five years, six years. And uh, one brother reached out to me and said, hey, I've been watching how you've been living these past years. I want to invite you up here to Oregon to lead a men's retreat. And um, I think I'm like 30 years old at the time or whatnot. 
And uh, so I, I go all the way over there to Oregon. It's a beautiful place. I get culture shocked when I get there with the agenda that they have going on. And, and I'm just I'm, I'm just like, whoa, okay, this is crazy. Uh, but so I'm, I'm able to have this great experience. Uh, uh, just just a little while back, I just came back from Washington, D.C. Uh, the uh, Prison Fellowship uh, entrusted me going out there and to jump on their cohort. Um, just different opportunities within the city, within the two cities out here. And the, now on, on the whole podcast venture that God's allowed me to do. Um, it's just, it's just people see that and they see, you know, that you're consistent, you're, you're faithful in serving God and, and uh, they reach out and, and there, there's times that, you know, uh, people remember when you told them that you were a Christian, right. you know, they, they, they might, they might not remember for the right reason, uh, but they remember that you said you had some kind of relationship with Jesus and they're like, oh yeah, the, the person that went to church, so the next time they want to show you a magazine or a dirty post or, 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 or say a dirty joke around you, they remember that you, that, you know, they, they can test you because you said you were a Christian or they, they, they know to respect you because uh, they, you said you were a Christian. And, yeah. and that's why, that's why I say that, you know, we're walking Bibles, you know, Paul says the, the epistles were, were epistles written on men's heart. And we really, we really are. So the book was just a bait, um, you know, just to, uh, you know, open up conversation and to say, hey, here's, here's a great place where you can start. And so Minutes with God was, was born from, from, from that kind of whole, um, that whole ordeal that I just explained, it, multiple purposes, but, you know, just helping people to get on that same page. Hey, spend some time with God, see what he'll do for you. Test them in that. <laughs> like, yeah, like, exactly. Go, Go, yeah. go see, you know, if you don't believe me, try it yourself. Right. Yeah. That's a, that's a great test. Yeah. Spend some time with God and see if it changes you. Well, the most yeah. productive I think that I've ever been has been when I'm up early and spending time, you mm-hmm. know, it, it uh, there's a old adage that says sharpen the saw, you know, if you're going to cut down a tree, you want to spend twice as long sharpening the saw as you would spending time cutting on the tree. It'll get done quicker. Right. You know, so as you wake up in the morning, sharpen the tool and you be in the tool and and things go better. And that's me saying that when right now, like I've been sleeping in lately, it's not been good. There are people right now swearing that you will change your life. If you get up four, four 30 in the morning, every morning, I'm just telling you, man. I'm just, oh, they're, they're like, uh, and, and I'm, I, you know, most of it's secular worldly stuff about being rich or whatever, but you know, there are, there are very successful people in this world that they have their, they're up and have their workout in by the time I'm getting out of bed sometimes. Right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I get up like almost every single day of my life. I'm up by no later than six o'clock. Right. There's times I sleep in till seven. There are no eight o'clock sleep ins for me. No. And when I'm getting eight. up by seven, I think I'm doing good on a Saturday or Sunday. And you got these people that are up at four. And I heard this one guy say, listen, the, the, if you if you're in the central time zone, you get up at four, it's five in the east. Get up before everybody else right. and mm-hmm. start working on whatever you're working on while everybody else is still so sleeping and idle. So, you know what I'm saying? But the problem, the, the problem is I don't want to shut my life down at 8 p.m. Yeah, yeah, to be able to get up at four o'clock so, in the morning. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Exactly. I can that's I can honestly say as much as they say that, because I did it for years. Um, I woke up at four o'clock and I've just been off it for the last couple of years. It's been rough 
the last well, you two really years. gone downhill too I'm, I'm, but well, I'm, no I'm, I'm saying that because I quite <laughs> literally changed my life in those two in those two years yeah I read a book a week for about a year and a half um, and I had friends pull me aside and be like hey man are you are you taking Adderall are you doing like you're smarter than you used to be you're a different yeah. thing than you were two years ago what are you doing like nothing man i'm just waking up at four o'clock reading yeah right. that's the only thing i was doing different and it'll change you it yeah. really would which is why you know i fight i'm fighting so hard to try to get that back i've always said eat spiritually back. before you eat physically mm -hmm. you know you and i i do better when i get up in the morning um i no doubt that's usually when i do my my reading uh get up my coffee before anybody in the whole house yeah. gets up that's the best time for me no. so that feels manly too right is that he that's how we started the interview like what does it mean to be a man wake up early wake up early did you see, <laughs> coffee? Yeah. Did you see the sunrise today so, oh, i did so speaking I, of manly dude i watched uh have you seen 1883 yeah yeah with the the tombstone yeah yeah, 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 yeah. i am so glad god put me on this earth when he did oh <laughs> <laughs> sometimes i would sometimes i would they, they'd be like ben don't you want to don't don't you want to wash your hands before you eat and i'm like uh no i'm a man and there and i'm like what do you think the cowboys did and this guy looked at me one time and said died at 39 yeah, exactly. that's what they did and i'm like you know what that's a good, that's a good, good point. point yeah i i literally i just finished watching that and i'm thinking Thank you, Jesus, for putting me on the earth yeah. in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. So, <laughs> so we had a we had a we had a, a young a young boy uh, give his life to the Lord this week. Yeah, you know who I'm talking about. I'm not going to so use sweet. his name out loud. Yeah, and uh, I was out in the lobby with him at church on Sunday, and you know his dad told him to tell me what went on. I, I don't think his dad knew that I had seen the video, but right. I had, and I, I I put my arm on him or my hand on him, and I said, listen. I can't give you a lot of advice. You got a good dad. You got a good mom. They're going to give you all the advice. You but this is what I can tell you. The key to a peaceful life as a man is humility and contentment. Mm -hmm. And I know that because I've lived it. Yep. I've lived a very prideful, uh, non-content life. Mm -hmm. That's what God's saying in Isaiah 66 too. broken and contrite spirit, humble and contrite. And 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 trembles at my word. This is this is what we're talking about. Right. This is a new man we're interviewing today. I yeah. I can I, I'm picturing young Ricky just being a little street thug. Right. Maybe he wasn't like violent. You know, it doesn't sound like he, but he but just all caught up in the wrong things. Got all the wrong things in his mind. And today, yeah. today he's a bright-eyed, God-filled uh, author. Yeah. Uh, and you know, this, Husband, that, the other, and, and, father, and, yeah. and, but much, probably much more humble and contrite and broken than he was back in those days. Mm. And I, so I told this kid, the faster in life, you can find humility and contentment, the longer, more peaceful life that you'll have. Right. And then his dad looked at him and said, do you know what those two words mean? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and he funny. didn't, but his dad explained it to him as I walked off. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, that's great. So, so Ricky, um, uh, oh man, that question just went brain dead. That's what sucks. Let, let, let me share this real quick. Okay, um, 
So uh, there's a couple examples, and I think every man probably on this podcast right now has a great example. Um, the way the word of God has changed my life, because we testify what God's done in our life, right? Amen. So even even as as uh, when I got out of the prison uh, system, um, I, di I didn't want nothing to do with my dad. He was in prison uh, at some point, and I just remember God telling me, because I had read this in scripture, and God had given me good instruction in scripture, it said, honor your parents. And so, so I'm like, honor my dad, you know, I don't want nothing to do with this guy. When I got out, I had told him we had a phone call and, and then I find out that he, he, he goes to prison. Uh, he's all on, on the news, newspapers and all this stuff. And so I go into the federal uh, uh, building for the first time and um, I'm, I'm right next to him. I give him a hug and I say, dad, I'm only here for one reason is because God's told me to honor my parents and I want to honor you by, by telling you about the Lord Jesus Christ. And so our relationship began on that note. And so I take my son with me, who's 16, um, that now who was 16 at the time, now 17, about to be 18. Um, and so I start to build this gradual relationship with my, with my dad. But I, I think those are the examples of like, hey, what is reading your Bible done for you? Well, yeah. it gave me this, it's gave me this kind of um, instruction. And then in following this kind of instruction, this is how it built this bridge. Yeah, the, hey. the, the knowledge without the application is useless. Right. Amen. You know, yeah. if, you, if you're just reading to be reading and trying to become a scholar and not actually applying it, then it really it, it's useless. You yeah. can't do anything with it. Um, you know, the, the gospel message, and that's what you're preaching is the gospel message, uh, to everybody that comes into your, your sphere of influence, uh, will transform people's lives when it's, yeah. when the true gospel message, and that's, that's what you heard in prison. That's what you shared with your dad. That's what your mom got. That's what your grandmother was giving you before. Uh, and you didn't even know what it was, but yeah. you knew that it was something. And, uh, this is what you're going to pass on down to the next generations and your sons and uh, in your family. Yeah, Ricky, yeah. Ricky, Ricky, I, I, I asked a little bit about earlier, but just touch on what like what is the relationship like today with your grandmother? And have you guys, you know, reflected on, you know, all that she spoke into your life and probably was praying for you behind the scenes when you never knew it? Uh, this, that and the other touch on that uh, for a minute. Yeah, uh, my grandma and I, we have a great relationship. Uh, I need to visit her more. Uh, you know, she's she's kicking on her last years of life. She's she's an older lady. She's going through dialysis now. Um, but I'm the guy now that they call to the funerals. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm the guy now that uh, when there's a need of prayer in the family, uh, they reach out to me. I'm like, why don't you reach out to everybody else in the family? Like, you know, there, there's people that are older than me. There's people they're like, no, because we know your relationship with Jesus is tight. And so God has used me in, um, in a way that I never thought I'd be used in my family. Uh, even when my, like my sister passed away, you know, um, uh, there's some people that passed away uh, that, that, that were real close to, that I was real close to. And uh, my grandma now, like, she always makes sure when I go over there, make sure you pray with the family. So we'll always huddle and we'll always pray. And um, it's such a beautiful thing. Um, but I remember even when my, 
aunt passed away. She got hit by a car uh, head on and uh, she was dying in her bed. And I was in this awkward position where we were in the hospitals, my wife, my son, and uh, my aunts and my uncles, and we're surrounding this bed. And, and my grandma looks at me and my aunts look at me, my mom looks at me and, and they're, they're looking at me and they're like, what do we do? Do we pull the cord or do we not? Or, you know, and I, this is an overwhelming uh, position. And, and so I'm listening to everyone's, uh, what everyone wants to do what the doctor's report is and all this stuff. And, and um, I just, I'm like, you know, let's just all pray. And so we grab a hand and we all just prayed around the bed and um, it's just, it's just insane, but it's, it's, it's that kind of thing now is where, um, you know, you're, you're that walking Bible now when God's done, done something in your life, you know, be ready to, uh, be put in those awkward situations. And, uh, it, it, in those situations, it requires that, you know, the word of God, it's not, it's not now just to show that you're approved among others. It's to, it's because now there's, there's weighty situations that, you know, you have to make, um, you have to make decisions to uh, influence people and make it so they can make the right decisions. Like even being a pastor, you know, it's just like, uh, you, what kind of counsel are you giving people? That's such a weighty, that's such a weighty thing. Like, um, it's like, go tell a husband to be a husband, uh, but in whose definition or go tell a wife to be a wife, you know, uh, like, you know, without the background and, you know, you really got to be gospel ready because th these are, these are weighty things that come on us as, as believers. So, I mean, just to, just to say that it's just, uh, my grandma and, and I were really tight and, uh, um, it's just, it's just, a, it's just a blessing, uh, just to know that, uh, she knows, uh, the impact that she's made on my life. And I know she's completely blessed by that. So, Thanks God. so and we always, so, yeah. we always talk about how, you know, it should be that the, that your family or the people that, that knew you when you were Saul, that they, they should be the easiest people to convert. Mm -hmm. Not, because yeah. they they should see they the should change see the it change, goes back yeah. to him talking about how we're a walking gospel like yeah, those yeah. Pe those people that have known us when when we were a wreck uh and and now know us post post salvation those should those should really be the easiest people to convert to jesus because right. they should see that change mm. amen yeah that's amen that's good it's true. So, so how's, so let's just go through the family. How's your relationship with your mom? You said she gave her life to the Lord and things are good there. Yeah. My mom, uh, she's, she's, she's on fire for Jesus. Uh, Amen. she, she deals with a couple of things and, um, I'm, uh, I feel a weight even there just because I'm, I'm her only son now. And, and now it's like, uh, you're, you're a caretaker, uh, but not only you're a caretaker, but now you're a priest, you know, my mom's a single right. woman and, and, uh, you know, when she has anxiety attacks or panic attacks, you know, she'll call me and she'll just be like, hey, you know, I'm feeling this. Son, can you pray for me? So just the other morning, I just dropped everything while I was at work and I was like, let's pray, ma. And so so it, it's things like that. But she's on fire for Jesus. She's she's constantly just uh, she's encouraged. She's like everything I see you're doing on the on, on the on the online and just throughout the community. She's just completely just encouraged. I know my dad's encouraged just by word of mouth um yeah. the fam the family as well uh my son um I, I was telling my son he's 17 now i was telling him uh because he's just got back from california and uh, i was telling him i said hey son uh, i'm gonna go on this podcast today it's called the man ups podcast i said uh tell me what it means to be a man and uh without hesitation he says being responsible dad 
I'm like, do you have uh, any any other things? He's like, no, that's the only thing that comes to mind is being responsible. And uh, I, I really felt that. I'm like, man, that came from this home. I was like that. I was like that came from this home, and so because uh, I, I I wanted to break the generational curse that was in here, uh, that was in, that was in my family, and and I'm just glad to live to see it happen. Um, so now I have two little kids. Uh, my my, I was my say son, I heard I heard some little ones yelling a little while ago. I love hearing that. Oh, yeah. That's a great great sound. <laughs> I was going to ask if you had other kids too. Yeah, yeah. So we got two kids under the age of three. Uh, my wife and I. So uh, that life is 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 awesome. It's a, it's a different way of living. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't get to raise my first kid. I was gone for those years. I get to raise them now, but uh, it's 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 challenging. It's definitely challenging. So I understand. I used to be the guy that would say, "Hey, man, you need to get your kid." And I was a youth director at the right. time. <laughs> like, your kid's running around like, man, you need to discipline this guy. And so um, and so now I'm like, oh, that's me now. I'm right. like, I'm in the hot, I'm in the hot seat now. I gotta, I gotta grab, I gotta be dad now. So yeah, it's, it's, I love it. It's awesome. Well, a couple more questions and I want to get into a couple of social issues, um, that have okay. just popped up, uh, recently and get your take on it. Okay. Um, so are you currently pastoring anywhere? Are you ministering anywhere or, or everything is done through just your street evangelism and street ministry, uh, in your books? Is that, that pretty much it? Yeah, so I am an ordained minister, and what what came about that was um, uh, I, I uh, one of the pastors that I knew very well while I was in the valley. Um, I kept getting uh, people that would say, "Hey, can you do our funeral, our family's funeral, or can you do a wedding?" And um, I didn't want to do it undercut handedly or anything like that. Um, you know, uh, I was on track to going to seminary school through the uh, Salvation Army. That didn't uh, work out. My wife and I didn't want to li live that life in that way right. um, at the time. So, uh, you know, when we moved out, you know, uh, God just kept opening up these doors for me to stay in ministry in a different way. And so, I got ordained, uh, started doing weddings, uh, of course, it, that that sort of thing. And uh, ever since then, I've just been sitting uh, in church and helped serve in the church. Uh, our pastor recently died, so we're currently at a at a new church. Uh, COVID uh, almost took his life. I think like 40% of his lungs were damaged. And, uh, you know, the church sat down. It was, it was a hard season. Um, so we're, we're transitioning to a new church and, uh, awesome pastor, a uh, great, great guy. Yeah. So, so we're, great. we're building a, a, a pretty cool relationship there. And he's very aware of, uh, the street ministry that I do and, uh, definitely endorses it. So it, it's, it's a beautiful thing that's happening there. Uh, so right now it's just, uh, I love street evangelism. That's where my heart's at going into the prisons. Um, I know you, you've seen a couple of the interviews. Yeah. I'll go out, I'll go out to the streets. I'll actually go out to where, uh, my situation had happened downtown, um, in Tucson. 
um, and I'll preach the gospel to guys. I'll street preach. I'll do uh, interviews with people, and I'll and when I feel like they're getting um, sidetracked by different things, I'll say, "Hey, well, let me share a little bit of my testimony. How I shot a man down here on these streets." And uh, it, it's just this big attention opener. And right. so I'll, I'll talk to people downtown. They're like, really, that happened? And you're coming back over here? And so so it's great. But the ministry with the books and the podcast that uh, has started up through this ministry has opened a ton of doors. So awesome. it's just my mom tells me now, she's like, you're Joseph with, uh, with a robe. You have many colors. That's and uh, she, she was like, you, you minister to a lot of pastors. And I never really, I never really received that, but I've noticed lately that uh, what she was speaking was really true because there's a lot of people that reach out now. So um, in private, I'll have the name of the podcast. Um, It's, 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 I call it the let's talk about a show, but everything is under minutes with God community network um, on our YouTube channel. So there's a, there's a bunch of pastors that have uh, been interviewed. Um, there's some pastor friends that share their story actually in the Minutes with God book. I believe there's five because I really wanted it to be a community thing. And in yeah. the back of the, in the, in the back of a book, in the back of the book, there's a lady who was burned in a fire. Uh, her name is Sandra. And I share her testimony and how I met her in prison as an evangelist. This lady's like 75 years old. I just talked to her yesterday and she's going into the prisons. She was burned, rejected and all these things throughout her whole life, molested. And she's the one that gave me the quote, um, if you're not flexible, you'll be bent out of shape. And so she she ministered to me heavily while I was in the prisons. And uh, so so I share her story in back of the uh, Minutes with God book. Uh, just just an amazing lady. And then there's other awesome. there's, there's five other pastors: a Baptist pastor, a Methodist pastor, uh, a Pentecostal pastor, and and no, I don't have no jokes for uh, <laughs> for, yeah, for all the different ones. Like a joke, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, yeah, no, these are exactly. these are people these are people that I I uh, met through through throughout my journey, right. and um, I've allowed them to share in my life and. Um, they just it's just been a community thing um ever since so uh yeah so a lot of a lot of cool nuggets but yeah that's that that sums up that and i'm God. sharing that yeah. stuff as you mentioned it i'm throwing it up on yeah the it's page. going on all of our social media as well we've got Amen. a chat line and and letting everybody know uh we actually put the amazon links and all that kind of stuff as well for oh, your wow. book. Amen. So, Amen. Thank you. So a couple things this past week and this is just kind of a round table before we finish up here um Obviously, most everybody has heard, if they haven't heard, they've got their head under a rock about the the young man that uh, shot the 19, 20 kids in Texas. Um, and uh, it, it's it's a very, very sad situation. You know, I mean, there's there's a million different stories coming out right now, but I don't I don't want to get political and I don't want to get um you know, too deep into the, 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 the what ifs and the stories and all that kind of stuff. What I really want to get into is the heart of um, the issue that we see in the United States going on right now. And I would say around the world, I see a hopelessness that is happening uh, with young men and um, uh, young people in general that they just, they really have, no hope in anything whatsoever. One, they haven't heard the gospel. Uh, Christians, like you were saying earlier, we need to be more disciplined and going out and making sure that we are sharing the gospel, the true gospel, and giving them a giving them a hope that will um, 
give them some kind of understanding that not all is lost. And, Mm. um, you know, someone who goes and does what this kid did, uh, he didn't have parents, um, or his parents weren't around. I should say he was living with his grandmother. Um, don't know how in the world he got all the money to get all the crap that he got, but somehow figured out a way or stole it or who knows. I mean, I don't, I don't really know. I don't really care about that. What, what breaks my heart is, is that, um, one for the families that lost little kids. Um, and you know, I pray that there's hope in their lives, but, um, with the men that you disciple, the men that you saw in prison, um, the young people that you were doing and, you know, uh, ministering to in youth, um, what, what would you say was some of the, the biggest problem? What was the common denominator there? What was the biggest problem that you saw with these young kids? Yeah, that's, um, man, I just did an interview with a, uh, former, um, uh, ex gang member, uh, who, who actually grew up uh, with a strong uh, family in ministry, but he ended up uh, being shot like five times. And he has an amazing story how he came out of that. Uh, so, so he actually had parents that were pastors and uh, that he grew up in a good home and he still went astray. Right. And uh, because of the event that happened in his life, um, there's, there's one pastor that I know that, that uh, when, there's, when there's a big issue, he'll, he'll ask, he'll say, what happened to him when he was young? Right. And, and I, I just think that there's these events that these kids have at some point in their life. Maybe they don't recognize it at the time, but um, it's just sin is an effect. Yeah. Sin, sin is a ripple effect. So yeah. maybe maybe if it doesn't hit you right then and there, it's going to catch up to you at some point, um, whether with mental mind games or whether with uh, actually practicing an act or actually doing an act, because uh, it, it's like, I don't know if you remember that, um, that quote that said, uh, sin is like a credit card spend now, pay later. Pay later. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, so, so the consequences of sin, um, it just could be huge. It's just like, uh, I, I won't get political either, but just say like, if our president makes a wrong move today, mm-hmm. we could all, we could all feel it tomorrow. Right. You know what I'm saying? So that's the same thing with sin. Say we make yes. a wrong move today in our sin and we decide to get off of our, off of our gospel soapbox or whatever it is, you know, everyone in our family is going to feel it. Everybody um, in the community that really admires and appreciates or who have been discipled by us or whoever, they're going to feel it and it's going to take an effect on them. And some of that effect might lead them to um, also sinning. And so it, it's just it's just one of those things like what mm-hmm. happened to what happened to that kid when he was younger, like, you know, trying to get into dig into that. And when right. I deal with with, with people, because I like to deal with rough people. Yeah, I, I like to deal with people that are that are really going through it because I feel like, you know, um, this is not a religious show. This is not you know, I want to know, like, where are you at today? Let me because I, I want to give you the real gospel. Like, uh, I want to give you the real truth about about the situation. So uh, my ministry really like we're going to talk about this, like, oh, you've been to prison. Oh, yeah, I've been there, too, man. Let's talk about it. You got PTSD in these areas. Yeah, man, I I got you know, I remember some things, too. You know, so it's just really getting to, you know, the core of like what happened to you when you were a kid. Mm -hmm. You know, what was that? What was that start? What was that starting point? You know, and then and then once they recognize uh, where the starting point was, 
then, you know, then they're self-aware and then they could, uh, you know, choose to make a better decision. It's just like what counselors do. You right. know, counselor, counselors want you to self-reflect. They're yeah. like, well, don't worry about everybody else. Worry about you. And, you know, how do you see? Even as ministers of the gospel, we try to help people understand their identity now and understand who they can be in Christ. Right. So big identity issue, but I, I won't ramble on. That's good. No, that's good. I, I just... My, my heart is breaking for our younger generation right now, just because, and, and to be honest, for a lot of people in the world right now, they just don't have any hope. You know, we spent two years with craziness with COVID, um, you know, a, a whole year was just, oh my gosh, it was just miserable in 2020. And it just breaks my heart, you know, to see that kind of stuff uh, going on. And then people don't have any hope, you know, they're, they're literally, um, they don't know where to turn and the church, the Christian church, the gospel church needs to step up and do something a little bit different. We've got to reach out to those people. We've got to, to show them love. We've got to, um, give them the, uh, the, the, the bright and shiny light that we're supposed yeah. to be. The church has the wrong model, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. 75% of the things the church does is inside the four walls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Keep your heart with all diligence. As in water, face reflects face, so a man's heart reveals the man. The heart is deceitful. Do not let your adamant be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing the gold. Rather, I let it be a hidden person of the heart. Heart, And you will seek me and find me when you search me with all of your heart. My, may he grant you according to your heart's desire. Amen. Right. Proverbs 31. Where is it? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Right. So God disperses his love through people. Love is the only thing that changes the heart. God is love. What's God's purpose? deliver us of our sin, and to give us a new heart. Amen. We are not, as so I love street evangelism. I used to do it a little bit, not to the degree that you were doing it, but I went out a few times and I loved it and got away from it. We've got to get outside the four walls and love on people. Every single one of these people, I've, I've said this a million times, Ricky, I'll say it again. Proverbs 4.23 is now my favorite verse in the Bible. That's not about salvation. Above all else, guard your heart because out of it, what? Your heart, my heart, come the issues of life. Mm-hmm. Something has happened to these kids' hearts. Yeah. They're not getting the love that they need. They have no understanding of the love of God. Something happens bad to them in their childhood, this, that, and the other, and it changes the tablet of their heart. Amen. And we are not, as a church, out loving on people, giving people what they need, and, and changing and helping. I don't, I don't want to say helping God, but letting God use us to be part of that change. Amen. Right. We've got in reach down, meaning inside the church and where outreach is kind of a uh, secondary thing. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, that's good. It's all about the heart. It is. 
That's good. Well, the other issue I wanted to talk about, I actually, I want to spend more time. I was going to say, this is a great segue into the second one we're talking about. Yeah. The church being messed up. Yeah. The church being messed up. I'm going to wait next week. Next week. Okay. I'm going to wait because I want to spend some more time. We don't have enough time to really talk about that. I'm going to, I want to talk about issues, uh, you know, in the pulpit that, you know, we've seen a couple of things happen this week with some pastors and, um, I don't know if you saw the one, the pastor in Indiana that got, you know, came to share his testimony and, you know, asked for forgiveness. And he got called out by the girl that he was sleeping with, who was 16 years old at the time. Um, mm. So I want to I want to spend more time next week on that, because yeah, guarding your heart, learning not to 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 sin, you know, um, Psalms 119 verse 11, you know, I word in my heart so that I will not sin against you. You know, that, that starts from top down and uh, we've got to do a better job in that. So, yeah, it doesn't matter what yeah. goes into a man. Right. It only matters what comes out. out. So we've got to teach people you guard your heart from the outside, like a prison guard. Right. Yeah, exactly. You're guarding prison guards guard to not let anybody out of the prison. Right. Right. Yeah. So we're guarding our yeah, hearts from the outside. It doesn't matter what goes in. It only matters what we let out. Right. That's good. That's yeah, really good. I, 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 um, man, this is, man, this is such a complex one at times. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, this, you know, this is a, you know, this is a loaded one. Um, you know, cause, uh, so, you know, there's some men in our, in our society that, um, you know, we could be so militant as Christians sometimes, that uh, we forget the sensitivity part that we really do need when it comes to uh, loving on others. Uh, and uh, it, it goes to having that right balance. Um, it's like, you know, cause everyone has their, has their definition, their opinion, and then there's the word of God. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah totally. Yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah, you, you, you know, so yeah. it's, it, it's tough. It's just like, um, I'm the kind of guy as I get older, and I'm going to say that as I get older, I recognize things a little bit more differently. Like when someone comes and they they vent to me about something, um, you know, I, I try not to involve anybody else in it. Right. I, I try to, I'm like, all right, look, man, this is the process. This is what, you know, the word of God says. And um, I try never to bring it up when I see them again. I try never to hang it over their head uh, because I know it just pushes people. Because uh, e- even when people confess things to you, they they feel that weight of condemnation on them. Like, oh, so-and-so now knows uh, uh, that. that. And, and, you know, as church leaders, too, we got to be careful that, like, um, we're not hanging things over people's head. Like if there's right. an issue, like we gotta, we gotta be quick to like, Hey, let's you can't, walk, let's- yeah, you can't ask them to repent and to confess and then hold it over their head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like that makes no sense, you know? Um, and, and that unfortunately happens quite a bit in the church. You're right. Yeah. It's just, it kind of like beating, beating up people. Like, I mean, it's people need to hear that they need to repent. Right. Don't get, don't get me wrong. Like we need to hear that we need to repent, but how that affects our relationship with each other later is the, is, is the important part. That's good. It's like, after I tell, after I tell you the truth of, of your situation, the next part needs to be as important. Amen. Yours yours and my relationship. That's good. Should, should, Should never be affected by this conversation. 
Right. Like, like I understand you messed up. I understand this is this is what happened. I understand you had a weak moment in life, but um, what I'm about to share with you is confidential, and don't let this mess up our relationship because I don't want you to have any kind of ill feelings against the church in any kind of way. Mm, you know, <laughs> that's good. That's good, Ricky. Man, uh, great word. Um, I want to. I, I, uh, after the podcast, maybe this week, I do want to get more information on the prison ministry. Talk to you a little bit about that. We can do that off uh, offline. But uh, I just want to say thank you uh, for all that you're doing. Uh, I love your testimony. Um, it's amazing what God has done in your life over the last 16 years to bring you to the place to where you are today, that you are so in love with God, uh, that you found him in prison, that uh, you fell in more more in love with him in prison and that you're out sharing to the rest of the world of the love that you have for him uh, and the hope that they can have if they will just follow him that's pretty pretty amazing yeah it's been a, it's been a good show it's, it has, it's no. a great testimony and visit your grandma ricky yeah, yeah. Your grandma, ricky. that woman thank you that woman spoke life into you yeah. that's right exactly well brother thank you so much uh we are going to end here and uh I pray that you have a great night, a uh, great rest of the week, and uh, I look forward to becoming friends. Amen. 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 All right. Well, God bless Thank you, brother. brother. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. You've been listening to the Man Up God's Way podcast. Visit us on Facebook, Spotify, Apple, iTunes, and our website at manupgodsway.org.